Are you ready to experience something extraordinary? Cultural gems in Croatia, ancient temples in Asia, art in Italy. We'll take care of everything. Flights, accommodation, excursions, local guides and all that planning. Travel department, let's see more. Hello, I'm Conor Faulkner and this is Driving Life. Welcome to episode 36, where I meet Charlie McGettigan. He'll always be remembered for winning the Eurovision Song Contest with Paul Harrington in 1994, but there's lots more to him than that. He's full of life and the fun that he has with his family and the joy of choosing to do only the things that he enjoys. These days, that includes gigging with Marty Morrissey in his Marty parties, playing music and enjoying the world from his home in Drumshambo. Before we join him, I'd like to take a moment to say a big thank you to our sponsors, Doro Mobile Phones and Expressway Buses, two great companies in very different areas. They're very good to support us, so thank you very much. Don't forget to check out earlier episodes and other chats. It's all there on seniortimes.ie or wherever you get your podcasts. So now let's go and meet Charlie. We were the rock and roll kids, the rock and roll. And listening to those songs on the radio I was yours and you were mine But that was once upon a time Now we never seem to rock and roll anymore Charlie McGettigan, how are you? It's great to see you. It's great to see you. You know, it, um, I'm surprised you even remembered me because I'm so used to hearing you on the radio, on the AA oh. Roadwatch and all that. And I met you that day on the on the Today Show. And sadly, I didn't know what it looked like because you're usually on the radio, you know. So yeah. I, I know you've done bits and pieces of television and stuff. But uh, it was a pleasure to meet you. It was a lovely day that day. It's nice down in, in Cork. They are lovely down there. Yeah, they're, they're a great group down at the Today Show. Like, yeah, but even Cork itself, I, I think when you go to Cork, it's a day out for me because every, you, you they tend to strike up conversations with you. Um, well, come here. I, 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 I'm just, obviously, the, the the thing most people would know you most for is winning the Eurovision with Paul. Yeah, yeah. We will, we will obviously get to that. Um, but before we do, can I roll it back a bit and just ask you, is it Leitrim or Donegal? Because well, believe it or not, neither. Um, oh, I, I was born in Dublin. Uh, my mum uh, lived in a place called Effra Road, 22 Effra Road in Ratmines. Well, I need to quality about you, honest. <laughs> yeah, Dublin, I was born in. My dad had a shop in Ballyshannon in County Donegal, and his, his, his father had. And he went down to Donegal, to Ballyshannon, to, to work in the shop. And then eventually my mum and myself followed him down there. And nice. I think it was about three or four when I moved to Donegal. Then, of course, um, Donegal, Ballyshannon grew up to my until I was 18, mm. moved back to Dublin then to work for the Electricity Supply Board and uh, spent uh, six or seven years there and then moved here to where my home has been for the last 50 years here in Drumshambo. And a big mistake to make is people, when you get well known, I remember the, the night we won the Eurovision, I don't want to go to it too soon, but mm. um, at the at, when we're doing the reprise, 
I said, this is for Drum Shambo, where I had been living for yeah. maybe 40 years. And uh, the following Monday, my wife's mother, who still lives in Ballyshannon, she was on the bingo bus going to the bingo and nobody spoke to her. And she was kind of, she thought somebody would say, well, we saw Charlie on the Eurovision. Not one person said it to her. And she was getting out of the bus. This lady turned to me and said, he never mentioned Bally Shannon. You, know, <laughs> you can't win, Connor, you, you know. Just if you were thinking it through like Johnny Logan with his, I love you, Ireland. You know, that was yeah. the overall basis. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so, a so, uh, sort of a leitrim man then, I suppose you, you know. Ah, well, 50 years here. Means, yeah. Um, yeah, it's still a blow-in, though, you know. Oh, it's still a blow-in. Yeah. You know, if I, if I was to go and hide somewhere, it might be Leitrim, because actually that's the origin of the Falklands. My, my own dad was from Sligo, but his granddad, I think, was from um, Dramard in Leitrim. Yeah. Actually, there's loads of Falklands there. There's only yeah, yeah funny. I have two friends. One of them is Jared Lock, uh, Falkland, who's a photographer for the Leitrim Observer. Yeah, there you and go. the other fellow, Declan, who lives up in Nace, and he comes down here every so often. And uh, they're both interested in photographs, and they're always putting photographs up on social media, old photographs of old of ca- old Carrick and Shannon and old Drum yeah, Shambo and stuff like that. I think that's one of the great things about social media, I find. Particularly, there's one particular site that I go to called Daily's Donegal, and he lives in Ballyshannon, and it, it's like just getting a refresher, and every second day you get something from Ballyshannon, and it's great because I loved growing up in Ballyshannon. It was just a great place to grow up in. It's one of the many ways, Charlie, in which we live in a totally different world. Um, you know, there's you're great that you you can you can play music with your grandchildren, which is fantastic. But you know, there are people um, who who do get to see their grandchildren on video calls because they're in Australia or somewhere else, mm-hmm. uh, d- d- different world. But at least they can talk to them. You know, in years gone by, when you were gone that far away, you were gone. It never- was the biggest. It was the biggest um, thing that in my life when the when the lockdown came, the biggest, the hardest thing to deal with was not being because I see them every week. You know. Yeah. We, we run into them and uh, it was coming towards the end of the lockdown and you know we spent a lot of time Gretty and myself my, Gretty's my wife we spent a lot of time watching Netflix and the devil and all but we were yeah. sitting there one Sunday afternoon and a knock came to the door and I went out and opened the door and it was the family and I'll never forget how glad I was. Like I had to hug everybody. It was just a joy to see them in the flesh again, you know. So that, you know, they're very close. We're very close. You know, I have another another set in, in who live in Temple Oak. The, the other this, the musicians live in in Johnstown Bridge, County Kildare, but the the others live in Temple Oak there in Dublin. So I get to see them every week. It's privilege. Yeah, no, it's privilege. I mean, it really is privilege. My my mum is in Ennis Grown in Sligo still. And yeah. I was into it just by way of counting her blessings, you know. She has four kids and ten grandkids, and they're all in Ireland, and she sees them all all the time. So you know, yeah, and I bet you, you go to Sir Ennis Groen with that beach. Where else would you be? Oh, going? where else would you be? And with that golf yeah. course, yeah, yes, I, of course, yeah, yeah. And yeah. um, I do love the golf course. It doesn't necessarily love me back, but it's a fantastic. Yeah. I know the golfers take it so seriously. It, you know? your head, it gets irrational, even for those of us who are rubbish. Yeah, but but <laughs> such is golf in life. So, come here. How did you wind up then? Because you had a proper job, in the- indeed. Yeah. Um, and how did you go from there to wandering troubadour, or what? What made you think music has to be the road? Well, I, I started off. The first piece of music that I ever heard was O'Donnell Abu. 
And you might know it. Are you old enough to remember when Radio Earn would come on in the morning at eight o'clock, but for three minutes beforehand, they would play that Dun, 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 on a kind of a celeste. Oh, do you and, know, we must have found the boundary. I, I, that is just before my time. <laughs> well, that was the first piece of music. And then my mum, my mum was a, uh, an avid theatre goer back in, you know, back in the sort of late 40s, early 50s. And she would tell me all about these different people that she'd seen in the Theatre Royal. The theatre Royal was a 3,600 seater uh, in Dublin. Oh, right. For literally, for, for five shillings on a Sunday night, you could get um you could get a film you could get Tommy Dando would come up out of the from the ground would rise up out of the, onto the stage and play his Lowry organ and then they had great stars people like Bing Crosby played there Laurel and Hardy all yeah. these different came to came to the theater I suppose it'd be the equivalent of the three arena now yeah you were coming to Dublin that's where you did yeah yeah, yeah. And I think there was a great, great film about Laurel and Hardy recently, and Dublin was one of the locations they filmed it in. But my mum always had music, and I remember um, learning my first song, which was Catch a Falling Star by, by Perry Como. You met her on Catch, Catch a Falling Star. Star. Yeah, it was that one. And a beautiful song. Yeah. And then I discovered, I discovered guitars. Uh, on on a postcard, somebody sent me a postcard of the the Everly Brothers. So you weren't a family full of fiddle players and trad musicians. And absolutely not. None, none of that. None. My mum was a big music fan, and uh, literally any chance she got, she would have the BBC radio on, and it would be the Mike Sam singers, and they were you know on a Sunday yeah. afternoon, and you know this kind of thing, and it was music constantly on in the house. But I saw guitars, saw a picture of the Everly Brothers, and they looked. Exotic. There was something about these guitars, the, the instrument. It looked great, and I said I'd never even heard it. But you know, I said I must get it. I must get one of those. You know, I'd look great. Just to, I could stand in front of the mirror and pretend I was playing it. You know. So eventually, um, my dad bought me a, a guitar for Christmas when I was twelve, and about a year later, I was at at a, a record hop over or a, a, a sort of a, used to call these things hops, mm. uh, where you went on a as a teenager. You, would, yeah, I remember the yeah. children of Mary organized this hop on a Sunday afternoon, and somebody heard that I sat. Well, the first thing was my it was my first one, and I said to my mum, "Now, how do I ask a girl to dance?" And she said, "Just go up and say, I have the pleasure of this dance." And like a fool, I believed her, you know. Mm. So I went up, I went up to these girls. Could I have the pleasure of the of the of the next dance? And they laughed at me, <laughs> and nobody would dance with me. But then somebody called out, "Is Charlie McGettigan in the hall? We believe he sings." And uh, I got up to sing, and I sang, "Where have all the flowers gone?" And I walked down off the stage, and instantly. Uh, the first woman I asked, of course, yes, and music opened their arms to me. So there it was. Yeah, so well, had, uh, th- th- that's it, it, one of the perks of being. Yeah, one of the perks was yeah. Happened to, if you happen to be a young man, um, yeah, yeah. I'll say to my son Shane is a is a, a gigging musician, and uh, you know he, he's a, a working musician, if you like. And hopefully there'll be great things, but for now he's going to play his music, and he's got some great stories about. Uh, he played in some GAA club in Kildare. The the ladies had just won the had just won county, and he said the place was like a scene from the Blues Brothers. He literally needed the chicken wire. It was just <laughs> mayhem in the place, which is great crack altogether. Sponsored by Expressway. 
With My Expressway, free travel pass holders can reserve their seats online at expressway.ie or at our ticket machines in stations. Are you interested in trying a new smartphone but still a little unsure? Do you want a phone that offers larger icons with louder sound and an interface that has technology designed for seniors? Well, why not choose from the Doro range by simply visiting doro.ie? Doro, make friends with innovation. It has its advantages. I remember about a month before we won the Eurovision, I was playing at an event in French Park and um, it turned out it was Cemetery Sunday. So you can imagine the gloom and doom about the place. But anyway, we did our set and the, the lady that owned the bar, she said, you're the worst band we've ever had here. Ah. We will never play here again. But about a month after we won the Eurovision, the phone rang and uh, Hello, this is Mary from French Park. Do you remember me? I said, I do. Goodbye. (laughs) (laughs) French Park calling. Oh, yes. We have to get them to 1994 because in in some ways it was an unlikely winner, if only because Ireland had won the previous two. Um, So we we were on a hat trick. Um, And that one was in the point, wasn't it? Your it was, yeah, and and you know, I remember the first the first day we went for our first rehearsal in the point, and when I saw the enormity, I had played in the point many times before yeah. that, but to, to, so when I saw the enormity of the set, and it was all on a river theme because it was done by the Liffey, and uh, the set was you know, kind of a, a scene of, of of marine life, and. Uh, when I said, Jesus, we're, there's only the two of us here. Uh, how are we going to fill that, that set? You know, because we were dwarfed in the middle of this set, Paul and myself. Um, but uh, I think the fact that we were just, as somebody described us, I was, I was at a quiz program a few years ago, you know, those table quizzes. Yeah, and somebody, somebody, somebody said, who won the Eurovision in 1994 was one of the questions. And I could see there was four young, young girls over in the corner. And they said, You'd be worried for you if you got that one wrong, Charlie. Yeah, but no, I was, it was the table next to us that I was listening to. Who was it? Who was it? Oh, it was, oh I know. There was two old buggers with beards. Do you remember them? You know, and that's, that's, that's why it was so unusual for two old buggers with beards to win the Eurovision Song Contest. You know, the, the, these days, and I mean, maybe I'm wrong about this, but we won the Eurovision seven times. And, and one of the thing, one of the reasons why is that we cared about it. And then we maybe, you know, got a little bit complacent, uh, sent the odd joke song. And then, you know, while, while it was expanding into Eastern Europe and proud young countries really saw it as a good thing to declare themselves on the world stage. They were taking it really, really seriously. Um, and we just kind of fallen by the way. So I don't know, what, what's Ireland's Eurovision uh, challenge like these days? Are we a bit like Welsh rugby, just permanently in the doldrums? Uh, or can we revive it? Because you're kind of part of the process, Charlie, aren't you? Are you involved with RT and the panel? Yes, I've been on the panel. Yeah, the thing about it is, um, Eurovision is a, is a strange business. This year now, it's going to have a huge significance for us all over here because of the fact that we all get BBC and BBC have been making a special effort to sort of to, to revitalize Eurovision. And I remember one of the one of the hmm? it's in Liverpool because it can't be. Yeah, what a great place to be. I mean, who knows McCartney might come on and do a spot, or Ringo might turn up, or, you know, that kind of way. But uh, I think they are, you know, they really are pulling out all the stops and suddenly Eurovision has cred again. You know, and you know what? Is it just me? Or I think the song we're sending this year is, 
actually pretty good. We've said, we have said worse. We've said yeah. worse. Yeah. Um, I think it's a great song. I, I watched the, the national song, what they call the Euro song now, the national song contest to watch. And we had some good entries in. There was a young girl called Connolly there, which I thought, who I thought was very good. And certainly this song is up there production wise, you know, with, with anything else in Europe, you know. But I don't know. I think the reason, for example, I think that we won our year was because we were so different. And anybody that asked me, you know, sort of, what do you think we should do? I said, well, first of all, we really need to get a really good song and get a really good singer and match the two, which is a really difficult thing to do. Not only were Paul and myself total strangers, but we, we met up, but the chemistry was instant, you know, and the song was so good. I mean, it's very simple. We only had a piano and a guitar, and, we, and that's all it took. That was people think there's, it was so simple. And it, and it, and it, yeah, people, yeah, people think there's a formula, you know, and, and I think we, we have been falling into that trap. You know, we have to, you know, it has to be A, B, C, and D, you know. Right. Um, whereas I think if they just look for a, for a you know, rather than look for a song rather than a Eurovision song. If you know. Yeah, I look for a song rather than an act. Yes, exactly right. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it is it is supposed to be a song contest. Yeah. I was always very fond of it as a kid, you know, and I, I mean, I remember being very fond of it, even when it wasn't cool to admit that you were fond of it, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like saying, I only ever, only ever listened to Boomtown Rats and the Sex Pistols. And yeah, there's an ABBA album that always say that's nothing to do with me. Uh, yeah, <laughs> well, it's funny. Uh, I, I remember, believe it or not, I remember back to European when it was in black and white, and I remember people like Kenneth McKellar representing Great Britain in a kilt. You know, and he and I remember a fellow called Ronnie Carroll who sang "Roses are red, my love; violets are blue. Sugar is sweet, my dear, but not as sweet as you." Uh, now talk about corny, uh, but you know, and, and he happened to be the husband of a lady called Millicent Martin, who was a a very. Uh, she sang on a program called "That Was the Week That Was." David yeah, Frost sang our program. That was the week. Yeah, that was, yeah. and she was she yeah, was the awesome. singer in that. Yeah, but you know, I, I mean, there've been some great songs d- down the years, and our own, particularly. Hold me now, Johnny Logan, Dana, even all kinds of everything. You know, we we they, we've, they all they've, love all the yeah, they're great songs. Yeah, yeah, and, and Leave Cavanagh particularly. You know, was you know, I, I, I'm very fond of Neve and I know her very well, and she particularly is one of the one of the. She's a world class singer. You know, Obvious. without a doubt, Obvious. and to carry off "In Your Eyes" is a difficult song to to sell, and if, you know, it's a tough song. You know, here, which you did. Here's a pretty common common music experience, musical experience for for the musical muggles out there like me who haven't a clue what they're doing, right? And um, but m- most people can sing as one or two songs, provided you know they know to to, to stay within what their voice can do. And um, but loads of people will start at a party trying to sing "In Your Eyes." Yeah. <laughs> oh God! Or, or "Hold Me Now." Yeah, yeah, yeah. Whereas, whereas actually, even an Al Crow like myself. Can, can get and give pleasure out of singing the rock and roll kids because it's actually quite a simple song. Uh, yeah, well, it is. But, you know, Brendan Graham wrote the song and he t- he always says he wrote it after being at a Fats Domino concert in the National Stadium. Right. And all these guys, a bit like yourself, all these corporate guys arrived in with their suits and their pinstripe suits coming from work. And they went in to, and sat down to be entertained. And he said... By the second number, they were all up on their feet with their ties off and they were yeah. boogieing around the place. And he said, they're like rock and roll kids. 
But if you listen to the lyrics, it's it's like a couple who's maybe I, I read all these things into lyrics, but it's like a couple who are longing for what it was like when they oh, were rock and roll like kids. Absolutely, yeah. Yeah, you know, but it's it's very warm at the same time. It it it. Mm-hmm. it uh, it's a warm song, it's, and, and I think that's why it stood out. You know, with everybody else trying to do glitter this and that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and we were we were on just after Finland, and um, I remember it was three gorgeous looking females in in uh, in hot pants, which were very popular at the time. Yeah. <laughs> and I said, "How are we going to follow those guys?" You know, yeah. um, I can't well, remember what the name. Look, it wasn't the Eurovision hot pants contest, or you wouldn't. Yeah, uh, <laughs> we certainly wouldn't have fitted well in hot pants. And, and then Finland did go and win it a few years later by essentially yeah. Remember, we were there. The, we were river dance year, Connor. Of course, yeah. You know, and and that was. I mean, I'll never forget being in the green room, and usually in a green room at any kind of an event like that, people are preoccupied with, with their own performance and what they how well they'd done or how badly they'd done. And this thing came on the big screen in this twenty five countries. I think we're in it at the time. Yeah. And this big this this a phenomenon as it turned out to be of 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 uh, um i remember watching i was in, around, yeah i was i was in enniscrone and i think my own kids were very small at the time as well up to 1994 so but shane my eldest would have been yeah a baby at the time and i remember we watched it in enniscrone and um, so we saw river dance we saw you guys yeah. win yeah and um, and that same weekend i don't know if you recall eric and senna died same weekend oh god yeah yeah, right, yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah, because I remember it very, very well. Um, but a, like a spectacular win. And for you, I guess, Charlie, life-changing, not that you're like, I mean, you're still in Chambo. Yeah, but, yeah. you know, yeah. it's kind of, it's the first 30 seconds of every conversation in a nice way, isn't it? Yeah. Well, the thing is, um, the great thing about Drum Shambo is that people still didn't, the only good thing that happened, one of the big things that happened was that they, they sang rock and roll kids. The choir sang rock and roll kids at mass the following Sunday morning, you know, and it makes it puts it. Yeah. I kind of little get a little tearful when I, when I hear that, you know, but then again, I remember, I remember walking into a pub a few weeks after we won and there was this fellow that I used to work with in the ESP, an old guy. Mm. I said, there's Charlie McGettigan. And now the only time, we ever see you know is on the television yeah. and I said well as a matter of fact we're on the late late on, on Friday night and he'd looked hmm, I might watch it yeah you could be sure he will <laughs> yeah um, <laughs> yeah, yeah and listen it, it, it's it's a fantastic thing to have on your CV does it does it ever um, do you ever get bored of us or anything no I have to say no without a definite, without a doubt. Um, for example, I'm singing now on Friday night in 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 a, in a concert in Nace, and my my grandson gets up with me now, and he ah. sings rock and roll kids with me, you know, uh, which is great. And he's making a name for himself in his own right at the moment. He's just started college. He's in the Royal Arts. What's his name, Charlie? His name is Porrick Bennett. Podrick Bennett, you know, and he's just after um, qualifying to represent um, Kildare in the the last four to represent Kildare in this big song thing that they're having all the local radio stations. So he's 
He's busy and he's in college and and is talk about a fella landing in the right place. He just you know there are only ten people doing the course in the uh, in the in the Royal Academy, yeah. and and they, he knows them all and it's they're having an absolute ball. Yeah. They're music. music. What, what instruments does he play? Is he very- he plays violin. He plays oh. guitar and he plays piano. Uh, and you, of course, when you play guitar, you play the uke. It's, it's um, an automatic thing. Yeah. But the, you know, he's 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 just landed exactly where he wants to be, and he's just and having. You a know, sometimes you just have to remember. Actually, my eldest son Shane, and obviously as a parent, I think, and you know, a musician is a delightful thing to do, but you know. You were precarious, precarious. Yeah, yeah. I, years ago, when he was about maybe sixteen or seventeen, maybe sixteen, uh, we were in Spain, a place to go to in Spain, and mm. there was a, a few lads in with set of instruments, and they were playing. And um, I had said the chain plays, and they said, "Oh, come on, chain, you must do it." And he goes, "Oh, mm. listen, I'm left-handed. I can't do it's left-handed." I said, "All right." And they said, "We'll give it a go." And I, I watched him do it. He played. The, he played a right hand guitar upside down and backwards. Mm. Yeah, um, yeah, started with a bit of snow patrol, I think it was, and yeah. absolutely blew the bar away. Yeah, and I'm going, Jesus, he is talented, <laughs> you know, you can't bash that out of him and send him into work in a bank uh, or yeah, yeah. Charlie. <laughs> yeah, funny, there, there are a couple of guys, um, Jimi Hendrix, for example, played, played left handed and played the guitar upside down. You know, he did. And and um, there was a, a McCartney can do it. McCartney can play guitar both ways. You know, yeah. I see it. It's very unusual, you know, because you, 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 your whole thinking is all wrong. You know, it's, it's like hearing everything. A, a drummer who can hold a different rhythm on the hi-hat while he's playing something else. And you just go, that's bizarre, yeah. talented, bizarrely talented. Well, my grand, my other grandson, uh, Carl, he's fourteen now. He can play. He can. You can put a piece of music up in front of him, and, and you know, the other. I did it last week, you know. And I said he'd be singing and playing. And I said, yeah, I think that's a little bit low. You'd need to take it a half tone up. Now, most musicians would press a button, which would bring the thing up half key, but he could read the music and play it in the next half tone up. You know, it's just a skill. Some people, you know, are just good. Yeah. Yeah, it can't be right. It can't be they have some secret power. I know, but I'm delighted they do. You know, and they bring such joy. I mean, if, yeah. if lockdown taught us uh, one thing, maybe it taught us to appreciate uh, the gigs and the musicians. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right, out of that. It's taken a while to come back, Connor. You know that the it's still uh, particularly in the pub scene. You know, I know there's a lot of people now are saying the pub's been is very slow to come back to what it was before yeah. the pandemic, particularly for people our age. I haven't been in the pub would you believe since lockdown I got so used to uh, making my own entertainment and I have to be dragged out now my wife she'll go to the pub alright but I I just you know I, I haven't been able to go in there you well, know, you know they say it, it takes um, it, it, whatever they say six or eight weeks or something it is to form a habit or to break one mm. um, so you know a lot of people's habitual lives were kind of broken apart and clicked back together yeah, and, yeah. and it's, it's very hard to reset them I get disappointed when I see people of my mum's generation um, still still afraid of COVID. Oh, yeah. Yeah, Touching the touching the face mask as if it was a rosary bead. Um, yeah, it's so true. But, you know, they I mean, most of the deaths that happened were in nursing homes, you know, right. so you can imagine that that little bit, bit of information feeds into somebody's mind and they think, you know, I'm of an age, I'm the, I'm, I, I could become, I could die from this. Yeah, you know? and you know what, I, as any age, I suppose it's easy to be 
you know, give advice to others. But but at any age, I think the guiding principle has to be you've got to be actively living, not just avoiding yeah. dying. Uh, yeah. The prize doesn't go to the person whose life is the longest counted in hours. Uh, you know, it's it's it, it's it's the quality of what you do. But I remember, Connor. I remember the first time I went to Sligo. My wife had a had a, an eye appointment, uh, and I went. I dropped her off, and I took a walk around Sligo. And it was like one of those. Do you know those? Um, there's one on at the moment called The Last of Us. Those Aaron again zombie movie things. Yeah. And when I walked through Sligo, which is normally bustling with people, you know, and and I literally walked up O'Connor Street, and uh, nobody. I know. Nobody. And the windows know, boarded up. Yeah, not to Trump Sligo, but myself and Lorraine had one of the most surreal experiences of our lives. I doubt we'll ever have something quite like it. We were in Paris when it began because if you, there was a rugby match on at the start of mm-hmm. that week. Um, so we, we were in Paris for a week and at the start of the week, it was all grand, you know, do the museums and this, that and the other. And then gradually it got worse and Macron gave his speech and Leo Varadkar gave his speech and everything around us started to shut down. And we were actually on the Saturday, we walked up the Champs-Élysées uh, on a March morning with the sun shining and we were the only ones on it. It was That's scary. Nuts. It is scary. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We were on the we were on the late late show the night that it was that it literally was announced, and yeah. we were jokingly, you know, we were joking with Ryan and everybody was elbowing people. It was a big laugh, you know. Yeah. Actually, this will be this will be over in a few weeks, you know. Little did we know at the time, but God, and yet, Connor. We survived it. We laughed through it. We got our way through it. And we passed out of it. We, we, we and we had the lowest debt, lowest debt rate in Europe. Yeah. And we're going to you do know? a review now and see what we got right and what we got wrong. But yeah, yeah. There was a little element of, nobody knew for sure we were all doing our best. Um, but, you know, if the fire brigade comes along and puts out the, bur- the fire in the burning building, it's a bit rough to be telling them afterwards that they got the carpet soaked and they wrecked this. They wrecked, you know. Yeah. These were emergency measures. They weren't. Yeah, yeah. yeah. No, they were really they were just doing our best. There was a, re- a play that I watched, Stephen. Uh, what's his name? But it was set in a nursing home, mm. and um, this poor fellow was left in charge of the nursing home during the night. And one person who was a really heavy man, he was to be turned every so often because it would affect him. And and he was ringing up hospitals. This man is, is is dying. And he was ringing, and every one of them that he rang, no, sorry, we can't, can't help, can't, can't, can't help it, you know. Um, and you, that's what it was possibly like to be in a nursing home and something yeah. like that would happen. You know? Terrifying, it's, terrifying. Yeah, yeah. And listen, hopefully never again. And I think people are are creeping back. And of course, you're fully back. You're actually, you're, uh, you're doing gigs here and there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I do, I'm in the happy position now. I'm 72 at this stage and if the phone rings and I like the sound of it you know and I like that you know that that one yes I'll enjoy that I I only do things I enjoy anymore you know and uh, and luckily enough I've been able Paul and myself have been playing quite a lot um together as well Marty Morrissey um has I was going to ask things. about the Marty show this is the a, Marty parties yeah the Marty, Marty party he, he is I've no more yourself I know Marty for a long time he used to be on our five yeah. football team he's actually great crack he's great fun yeah. all together he's an amazing man He's amazing. Yeah. And you know, if you didn't go out for a pint with uh, with with Marty, 
It's like being with all four Beatles. It's unbelievable. Yeah. Yeah, I know, I know. But he runs these, he runs these massive concerts. You know, I mean, yeah. we're doing one now. I think in Limerick next, in the in the in the actually in Limerick in the in very concert hall where we qualified for the to win to represent Ireland. We're oh, in the, the NAHE in Limerick. But uh, Army, which is a huge. Thing. Yeah, we were there. Yeah, we were there a few weeks ago, and uh, we're in Castle Bar in the Royal Theatre, and we're doing it. A bunch of things, you know. But the funny thing about Marty, I said to him, uh, Marty, you're going to be doing a football match tomorrow, you know, and here you are and it's maybe half one or two in the morning and you're still talking to people after the concert and stuff like that. Where, where it gets the energy and the, and the you know, the, the brain cells to be able to remember all the all the stuff for football matches and, you know, that you have to do, who play what and who's where, etc. You know, uh, but he just manages to do it, you know, and it, and... It's, just, it's, it's, it's because he loves it. It's because he loves yes. it. Yes. Yeah. yeah. So, so, so Mar- par- party with Marty is the, is the plan for the moment. Then, yeah. Yeah, it's Marty's party. But funny, Paul, Paul, um, Paul's very, Paul's very quick. You know, he he. Um, you know, he opens the show with this one. I went to a Marty party. You know that? <laughs> and and uh, you know, Paul is Paul is so quick on his feet with with um, quips. He's a typical Dublin Dublin wit. You know, he's yeah, really really fast. So, 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 so would you be if you had been able to stay in rap minds and not been dragged up to Ballyshannon? <laughs> yeah, um, but I think Paul is something special. You know, he he does this show with with uh, Pat Kenny called L- the lyrics the thing and where he takes every loads and loads of songs and he takes a song and he sort of tells you about the song what yeah. it's about what the song's about how it came about and he's now as an album a six CD album set out of, of just literally him on the piano singing the songs Joe you catch something in the radio and you wind up just sticking with it and listening because it kind of it kind of captures you. And I think Paul, yeah, yeah. Paul's great for that. Um, yeah. When we did meet at RTE um, down in Cork that time, you were you had launched a book. Um, yeah, look at that huge kid. I have it. I have it here with all these little um, little um, post-it notes telling me where the different things are that yeah. are funny. Yeah, I funny. Hope um, to, I hope it went to bomb for you. It seemed to go. It did really well. It did really well. I was like, I have no experience of, of writing a book or of, I, I I done short articles for newspapers and things yeah. like that. But it, but when the lockdown came, I sort of said, you know. Uh, you know, I'm not going anywhere. What could I do? And I literally started to write the book. And like I was telling you earlier on, I started at the beginning, at where, which is the first piece of music uh, that I ever remember. And it was that um, piece that I played uh, for that was on RT. And that started me. And I said, where was I then? I was in Ephra Road. And who lived next door? Who lived across the road? And... I remember there was a Jewish family living next door who were so beautiful people and they used to, you know, bring me places in the big car. Not many people had cars in those days. And I used to get annoyed. I remember I was only three years of age, but I remember getting really annoyed because I wasn't let go to the synagogue for the, for, for, for on the Saturday night, you know, and, and, uh, you know, so all these, all these faces and people suddenly started to come in and it, I, I cannot recommend to anybody enough 
to do, either not necessarily to write a book, but to write, go back to your beginnings, to the earliest yeah. thing you remember. Yeah. I had a ball writing it, you know, really you, you had a ball. Because I, I, you, you didn't romanticize things, though, really. I mean, no, it, yeah, well, it, it was what it was, you know. Um, the, the, it was mostly fun. I had a great, I've had a great 72 years. I've had a couple of tragedies, different mm-hmm. things that happened to me. School wasn't very, very nice, if you know what I mean. Yeah. We were, we were beaten around the place a lot. At school, um, but we put up at the t- that what the schools did was they bet education out of kids and religion. Yeah, exactly. So right. I mean, um, we had no. Don't get me wrong. I had some great teachers. Yeah, um, but they were but but they were very heavily outweighed by the lunatics. You know, who who literally felt. You know, I was lucky. I managed to sail through it reasonably unscathed. But I remember other kids that were there, and the, you know, the treatment. You know, watching sitting watching a kid when you're nine or ten years of age getting kicked around the place. You know, it was bonkers. You know, but you couldn't complain. You couldn't go home to your parents and say, "Oh, you must have done something wrong." You know, but it is a terrible test for a human. But anybody with unchallenged, unchallenged power, um, and it's unhealthy. There's, I think it might have been Benjamin Franklin or one of the Enlightenment fellows who so he said that uh, that that most men can resist adversity when they have to. But if you really want to test a man's character, give him power. Um, yeah. I, I think you know, in the case of the clergy in Ireland, they failed that test. I mean, they failed that test. But at the time, Connor, you know, we, you know, we would have, I mean, I remember, for example, um, we were told rarely, you know, if we had three non-Catholics churches in the town and we were told to walk to the other side of the road when we were passing these churches. So I had this in my mind, these must be really evil places. They must be dark and dreary. But about a few years ago, uh, I was asked to do a concert in one of these churches, St. Anne's Church. And I went in and I said, this is the most beautiful building. Like it had a gallery that went right around. It wasn't just at the back, you know, it wasn't the, you know, it was the most beautiful church. And the strange thing about it was I got talking to the the, the caretaker there and I said, who keeps, I mean, how many people come here? Oh, he said, we only have about 20 or 30 come now. Um, And uh, I said, well, who keeps up this? It looks so beautiful, the building. Well, the Catholic church do. So things have changed, Connor. You know, things oh, have, they, they, you know, the, you know the, the, I mean, they had to change, you know, really. It was, it was they had to and, a, and a loss, a profound loss of power. Uh, yeah. The church will, will ultimately be healthy for it, I think. Yeah, exactly. You know, exactly. Um, yeah. So, so are, are you, I mean, I think we, if we compare the country that, that you grew up in, um, I think no matter how cynical you are, or, you know, maybe, maybe you're, furious about homelessness or you're furious about the health service and and all of those things kind of deserve our fury and maybe if we're not furious we won't fix them but i think at the same time we you know we have to acknowledge we've come a huge long journey from where we were haven't we we have but you know the funny thing about it was growing up in the 1950s you kind of knew your place you were a definite place, you know, you were a Catholic, you were, um, you know, you were in the business, if we had a business, mm-hmm. or you were in work, somebody working in the guard or working as a, you know, road sweeper or whatever it was, everybody knew their place. And there was a kind of begrudged security about this, you know, you know, I'm, mm-hmm. I'm in this, this, I know where I stand, you know, I know who I can talk to, I know who I can't talk to, you know, so uh, to a certain, that was a, a sort of thing. That's how the church ruled us. They do, they, it was a sheep mentality. You 
or in your and, in your and, pain. And psychologically, there's a tendency to 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 like certainty. Um, yeah. Like, and, and there's also definitely a tendency to, to romanticize the past. Uh, yeah, yeah. Remember only what a, a false version of the past that you hold in your own head. Yeah, um, yeah. The, and those are dangerous things for, for society. Um, but I, as I say, you you definitely didn't romanticize it. Um, yeah, but you know, going back to that again, that point again, Connor, we have come a long way, but we've gone back a long way as well. Because look at look at the amount. I remember specific murders by name. I remember a man called Shang Mahangi in the Green Tureen restaurant killed a woman, murdered a woman and just, and, and, you know, cut her up and yeah. blah, blah. I remember Una Linsky, another girl that was killed. But I don't remember who was killed yesterday or the day before or the day before that because now murder is a part of our lives. It's now a world. Do you, do you know, I, I'd say about 20 years ago, um, Gay Byrne uh, quoted me on his radio show. Uh, Gay became very passionate about all things road safety. And yes. he quoted me. And what I had said at the time was that, but I forget the exact stats, um, but I said that there were X number of murders in Ireland last year and every one of them was headline news. Yet at the same time, you had 10 times as many people or 12 times as many people die on the roads. Yes. But, you know, I, I thought it was a good way to make the point and Gay Byrne disagreed yes. about But, you know, that figure for last year, it's it's more like two to one, not twelve to one. It's yeah. Like Sixty murders and a, Yeah, um, yeah. It's scary when you think about it. The society has got. Yeah, I mean every day now, you know, you know, it's it's the, the somebody has been murdered, you know, and, and it, I, I kinda think these are all I remember one time um, Watching the, the troubles in the, in the in the Middle East, yeah, and there was a fellow from Liverpool that disappeared, and there was a body found, and the BBC said um, there was a body found of a man in such and such a place, but it wasn't Joe Soap from Liverpool. Yeah, but nobody said, well, who was it? <laughs> that, you know that that person has a life. That person maybe had a wife and family and kids and stuff like that. You know, so the, being exposed to war like we were, you know, you know, whether it be Palestine or whether it be the you know the Yugoslavian wars, you know, that all that we were watching that every day of the week, but we we didn't. These are all real people. Yeah, you know, there were sixty Palestinians killed, and I remember I got involved in this a few years ago, and they they, they were having a not so much a riot as a demonstration, and there were sixty Palestinian kills. In the meantime, Benjamin Netanyahu was celebrating the win of the Eurovision Song Contest from from Israel at the same time. Now, if that happened, if sixty people died in any kind of a disaster in Ireland. Everything would shut down. Can you imagine if we, uh, God forbid, can you imagine if there was, uh, you know, a crash at Cork Airport killing six Yeah. Um, yeah. And then, Even Creaselock, for example. In Creaselock, we, yeah. we, all, we all stopped and thought about what, hap- what happened there. But when it's, but during the Northern Troubles, how many times did you hear of the number of people that were being blown up or shot? Or, and we got accustomed to it. We, we got, got, we got inured. We yeah. Did. And, and, and it, you know, that, that it, it, it's something just to try and keep us as a North Star in, in all of our lives is to just try and retain perspective. Yeah. Um, because uh, and I, we're probably all guilty about it, you know, we're probably all guilty about being grumpy because my cup of coffee is cold. 
and, yeah. and appreciating just how privileged you are to live in a peaceful country, to have the ability to do all of these things. Um, we, we, and, and, you know, I think if, if we if we take it for granted, that's the biggest risk we have of losing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but the thing is, we have, we have relationships with our politicians here. You know, I, I could go to Liverpool and I could maybe meet three or four people on the street. Who's your local MP? They wouldn't know. Yeah, but we know because they're at they're at every funeral. They're meeting down the street. They're you know they're you know I know all the the politicians in this area, for example, and you probably do in your area. Absolutely, as well. myself and Lorraine were on a flight home from um, Spain a few years ago. It was obviously pre lockdown, um, and Leo Varadkar was on the flight. He was teaching, yeah. so it must have been his. It must be what it was. Uh, he was on the Ryanair flight, um, and yeah. now he would sat at the front and all that um, but he was not he nodded at me as I passed by yeah. Uh, yeah. remembered my name as politicians that's a skill they have uh, but he was just yeah. on a Ryanair flight and funnily enough I was talking to a friend of ours afterwards who's a guard and she does VIP protection and she was able to tell me that actually she was there at Dublin to pick him up off the uh, tarmac and whisk him away as part of his protection detail but yeah I mean we we, we, we like our politicians to be part of our community and so we never give out about them but we're not going to let them live in palaces um, either metaphorical or physical we, we want them to be known to us in that way don't we well I'll give you an example we lost our son Shane in 1998 I did know Charlie yeah, and, 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 but, hmm? he had a building accident in, in Boston he fell off scaffolding but anyway um, the day the day we brought his body back and we uh, he was brought to the church and we the, the house was full our house was full of people you know coming and going and there was a knock on the door and it was Mary McAleese she was president of Ireland at the time wow. called in stayed two hours telling stories to all the women and they were all and they were all she'd left her coat hanging on the, on the on the stairway and all the women were trying on her coats it was that you know so we're that close to politicians you know and she lives just up the road now she has a house here and you're likely to walk down into your supermarket and there's the ex-president of Ireland and she, yeah. she's talking to everybody, you know. So it's not just, and even we did a show there at the, at the concert hall a few weeks ago and and Leo happened to be there with his mm. friends and he came back and talked to us all afterwards, you know. Do you know, I hope I hope we never lose this. I hope that, I hope yeah. the central Irishness of Ireland never does mm. change. Mm. Um, and certainly I should, I should hope that you never change either. Um, you'll be planning to be knocking out rock and roll kids on request in 30 years' time in uh, in Drumshambo. Well, try and stop me, Connor. Yeah. <laughs> I'll be there for you, I'll be there for you. Uh, Charlie McGettigan, thank you very much. An absolute pleasure. So that's Charlie McGettigan. I hope you enjoyed the chat. Let me know if you have any thoughts on it. You can get in touch on connorfalknan at gmail.com. Do remember that you can access the full Driving Life archive of previous episodes at seniortimes.ie. Thanks again to Doro Mobile Phones and to Expressway Buses. And we're done. Drive safely, live happily and come back and see us again. Phone poke and new wet, on will canapi no fum nis orjo wet, nis eskalehusaj, faker no phone in tokata gwin, on show, egg daro, on von klishte is dany, gidi gohon la hai glina, august
Tarot Egan Gogoktana. Tanismo Olis Egg Daro.com.